0: Let's go ahead and get into our study, and a lot of times um, people have been asking me, Pastor Rob, it must be really, really hard for you to, you know, preach to an empty room. And I will say this, it is very, very different, but one of the things that I do, it's Wednesday night, and so right now in my mind, I'm picturing right over here to my left, Al and his wife Deborah, who always sit in the second row. And then right behind them, we have Garrett and his wife, Priscilla, who always sit in the the, the row, you know, the, the third row. And right over here to the further to my left on the outside, you know, Mike and Mary are over there. And and over here we have uh, in the middle section, usually Gary and Rosalind. And then right over here we have um, Jean and Kathy Boyer and uh, Spencer, There's a couple rows behind them. And usually right up front here we've got Mike and his precious daughter, Grace. And uh, so that's what I'm picturing right now in my mind is your smiling faces. And I also, (laughs) I can't see you if you're falling asleep. So (laughs) that's actually kind of a good thing. And um, anyway, but I am, I am looking forward to when we can see your faces again. So we are Philippians chapter four. We're going to be in here for the next uh, few weeks and just kind of taking a deep dive into this very important section. Um, Philippians chapter four, verse four, follow along as I read, rejoice in the Lord always. Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so thankful for your word and the power of it, the power that it has to impact our lives, that your word is living and powerful and that it has the ability to actually transform our whole countenance, our whole outlook, our whole character, And God, we want to pray that your word right now might go forth in power. Wherever this is being seen, whether it's somebody sitting in a car, in a home, in an office, whether it's on a television, an iPad, a phone, whatever it might be, Lord, we pray right now in this moment that your word would go forth in a powerful way. And Lord, we want to just pray right now as a body of believers We want to pray this virus out of San Diego, out of California, out of the United States. God, we want to pray that you would just move and work in in such a powerful way. But Lord, at the same time, we do believe as Christ followers that you've allowed this no doubt to get our attention. And Lord, we are praying that there would be in this day a revival that would sweep across this land, that we would see people who have been lukewarm getting on fire, that we would see people who have, are, are not saved and have been atheists or been ignoring you, that they would turn to you, that we would see those who have maybe been just lackadaisical in their faith, that they would suddenly begin to seek you like they never have before. And we look forward, Lord to watching and witnessing and being a part of what you are going to be doing in these days that we're living in. And so we give you this time tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Bible is Kindle's most highlighted book. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 is its most highlighted passage. And the reason is, is because it's a passage that deals with the subject of anxiety. And anxiety is something that affects us all really on a regular basis, but in a time like this, when our country, when the world is being impacted by this coronavirus that has caused this pandemic to sweep across the world, our anxieties are heightened. Every time we listen to a news brief, Anytime we, you know, hear some new news, anytime there's a new executive order that comes forth either from the White House or, or our, our governor or like today from the County of San Diego where more things are being shut down and the restrictions are are getting even tighter and home isolation is is now in place for those who are 65 and and over, our our anxieties begin to raise, begin to grow. But we need to combat that. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks drilling down into these verses here in Philippians chapter four and unpacking this subject. And I, and I truly believe that if we pay attention to and seek to apply what the Lord is saying through the apostle Paul, it will be radically transforming to our hearts, our minds, our attitudes, our countenances, our character, and will really, really enable us to stand apart and to really shine as lights in this very difficult time that we are living in. And I want to just focus tonight on two verses. In in, in verse 4, Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, he said. And I want you to notice that he says rejoice in the Lord. You see, most of the time, if we're honest, let's be honest, I'm included in this, we rejoice in our circumstances. We rejoice in when things are going really, really well. We rejoice in when something good happens. We rejoice when we get good news. We rejoice in our circumstances, and when our circumstances are not good, when we're going through a heavy time, then rejoicing can be a lot harder for us. Reminds me of the children of Israel. After God delivered them through that series of plagues that led them out of the um, Egypt, and they're in the wilderness. And they come there to the Red Sea. And they have, the Red Sea is in front of them. They have Mount Pyahira on one side, Mount Migdal on the other side. And here comes Pharaoh's army. He's, it's, they see the dust of all the chariots off in the distance, and they know here comes the army of Pharaoh after them. And what do the people do? They start complaining. They're saying, we should stone Moses. He led us out here to be killed in the wilderness. They were not at all rejoicing. But that's when God commanded Moses to tell the people, something that I think is very, very appropriate for us to hear tonight. The Lord said, had Moses say to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That is so good. Don't be afraid. Everything is looking bleak. Everything is looking like, hey, there's no way out. Everything is looking like this situation is only getting worse. Don't be afraid. Don't panic. Stand still. Rest. Get your eyes off of the horizontal and get vertical. Get your attention focused on me, the Lord would say. Stand still, he said, and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, here's what's interesting about that story. You guys, you know the story. Moses str- puts out his staff, the waters part, the children of Israel, they cross over on dry ground, it says. I mean, it was a radical miracle. And then here comes Pharaoh's army, they come barreling through, and God has the water close up upon them, and they all get killed. And on the other side, when the children of Israel are on the other side, and they see the waters collapse on the Egyptians, it it says they had a hallelujah service right there. They started praising, they started singing, they started rejoicing, they wrote a new song, and that is awesome. But how much greater would it have been if they had been praising the Lord before the miracle happens. Church, we need to praise Him even in the storm. You know, we sing that song about singing in the storm. We we sing it. We've we've been all in this room together singing that song, raising our hands. Well, now it's our opportunity to live it. It's our opportunity to really, really walk in that. But I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, but Rob, why should we rejoice? Why should we praise him? And tonight I want to give you two reasons. Two reasons. First of all, because God is sovereign. That means that he is all po- powerful. It means that he is on the throne. It means that he is all knowing. And you know, in the treatment of anxiety, a proper understanding of sovereignty and God's sovereignty is huge for us. You see, anxiety is often the consequence of perceived chaos. And that's really what things kind of look like right now for us. There's chaos. The Bible tells us, though, that God's not the author of confusion. See, he sees everything that's going on right now from a completely different perspective. And, you know, when we sense that we are victims of the unseen or turbulent random forces, like a virus that we can't see, our hearts just naturally get troubled. You know, psychologists, they've verified this fact. When they studied the impact of combat on soldiers in World War II, they determined that after 60 days of continuous combat that our ground troops became emotionally dead. This reaction is understandable. The soldiers endured a constant threat of bomb blitzes and machine guns and enemy snipers. I mean, they knew that they could be killed in any number of ways on any given day. So the anxiety among the ground troops was no surprise. However, the comparative calm of all the fighter pilots was a big surprise. Especially when the mortality rate of the fighter pilots was the highest in combat. 50% of the fighter pilots were killed in action during World War II. Yet the pilots had a completely different attitude. And they love their work. An astounding 93% of them claimed to be happy in their assignments, even though the odds of their survival were the same as the the flip of a coin. Heads or tails, 50%. What made the difference? It was this, control. You see, those pilots had their hands on the throttle. They were sitting in the cockpit. They felt that their fate was in their own hands, that it was theirs to determine. The infantrymen, by contrast, could just as easily be killed standing still or running away. So they felt helpless. They felt like they had no control. And you know what? Many of us right now feel that way. You have no control. It's situations like this that actually remind us, church, that we are not in control. And if you are a control freak like me, (laughs) that can be very, very unnerving. All the control freaks like me, just say amen right now wherever you're at, all right? But here's the key. Rather than seeking, listen to me, rather than seeking to control, because we can't, We need to relinquish all control. You see, you and I can't run the world. We can't. But you can entrust it to God. Right now, you can't even run your own world. But you can entrust it to the Lord. And one of the clearest ways to do that is by rejoicing in the sovereignty of God. Rejoicing that he is on the throne, that he is in control. Peace is within reach, Martin Luther said. Not for lack of problems, but because of the presence of the sovereign Lord. I like what Skip Heitzig said. He said, joy is a personal choice to react to to life's uncertainties in faith. You see, you and I, we can stabilize our souls every single day by reminding yourself that God reigns supreme over every detail in the universe. By reminding ourselves of of truths in scriptures like this one, Proverbs 21 uh, verse 30 says, There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. God is in control. God is on the throne. God is moving and working right now even when we can't see him. Or this one, Daniel 4 verse 35 says, God does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can uh, hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Now I'm not at all suggesting that God has caused this virus to come upon the world. But I am saying, the truth of the matter is, he has allowed it. And as I mentioned on Sunday, I think he has allowed this in order to get our attention. He's allowed this because we have been for a very, very long time pushing God out of our lives and pushing God out of our society and seeking to push God out of our world. And he has sat back and he's let us go this way, but he loves us so much and he desires a relationship with us. And he really does know what is best for us. So he's allowed this. And I think one of the reasons might be that he's seeking to get our attention, that we would be humbled and seeing how vulnerable, vulnerable we are, that on a, on a given basis, on a given day, that something that we can't even see has radically upended our entire world, our entire lifestyle. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that God upholds all things by the power of his word. And you know, we see a great example of this truth that God is sovereign in the life of uh, the prophet Isaiah. It was during the 8th century BC, uh, ancient Judah enjoyed a time of relative peace and prosperity thanks to the steady leadership of a king by the name of Uzziah. Anxiety levels in the kingdom were at an all time low because Uzziah was on the throne and he was doing a great job. The economy was stable, there was peace in the land, and people were like, Man, Uzziah is amazing. He has done such a great job. But what if that changed? What if Uzziah was gone? What if he died? Well, that's exactly what happened. He died. King Uzziah died, and in the aftermath of his death, people were wondering, starting to panic. Now what? Man, how can we find somebody to replace that guy? And that's when Isaiah the prophet was given a vision, a vision that we all need to remember. I want to read it to you. Isaiah chapter 6, it says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphim, and each one had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Listen, church. Uzziah's throne was empty, but God's throne was was occupied, And in your life and in my life, in this country right now, in our world, God is never off the throne. He is never surprised. He's never caught off guard. And so the question is, is God sovereign in this circumstance? Is he, to put it another way, mightier than this coronavirus? And the answer is absolutely yes. And that's why pastors across the nation are calling for us the church to pray. To humble ourselves and to seek the Lord and, and to pray to, to believe. Hey, do you think can we can we pray this out of our cities? Out of our worlds? We've seen God do that very thing with the people of Israel time and time again where they would turn to him and a plague would be lifted. Church, let's turn to him. Let's let's seek him like never before. According to the Bible, we are told in in, uh, 1 Timothy 6 verse 15 that God is the blessed controller of all things, that he is the king over all things, and the master of masters. He controls all things. And if he sustains and controls all, do you think that he has authority over this situation that we're in today? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. So the first reason why we can rejoice right now in the Lord is because he is sovereign. The second reason that we see in our text why we can rejoice in the Lord is because he is near. Look at verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. In other words, the Lord is near. Remember Jesus promised in Hebrews thirteen five, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he said. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is inside of each one of us who are believers. That means that he's with us in every single situation. I love what Jesus said to his disciples, and this applies to us right now big time. John 16, verse 33 he says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? He says, because I have overcome the world. He is near. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't left us. No, He is right with us. He is near. He's in the midst of this storm that we find ourselves in. In Luke chapter 12, verse 7, it tells us that God knows the number of hairs on our head. That's how near He is. You get a haircut, He knows how many hairs are left. He's that into you. In Psalm 139, verse 18, it tells us that His thoughts for us are more than the sand. He's thinking about you right now. In the midst of your situation. Those of you 65 and older older who have been put in this place of home isolation, and you might be, you might be all alone. You might not have anybody that's come to even visit you in the last couple of days. The Lord is there. He's with you in the midst of this situation. And he wants to minister to your heart. In fact, in Jeremiah 29, 11, we know this verse, you know, we know it by heart. We put it on posters and coffee cups and all of that. But it's so true. It says, the Lord says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, peace, you hear that? Not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God's not out to destroy us. His heart is for us. He loves us. He's with us. He's going to bring us through this. This is going to pass. This sanctuary is going to be full of people again. I can't wait for that. I'm looking forward to that. Man, I think the first time we get together um, after this is all over and we have worship, I think it's going to be absolutely incredible. I'm looking forward to that. But you know what? He's with you right now and your family right now, no matter where you might be. The Lord is sovereign. He's all-powerful. He's the one holding everything together by his word, he's, and he's not straining. So I love that. He holds all things, he's, and he's not like, you know, he's not like Atlas you know, holding the globe. It's like the Bible says that God holds the world in the span of his hands. You know, We use this to say, hang loose. <laughs> I think that's God's way of saying it. Hang loose. I've got this. It's right here. It's in the span of my hand. I've got the world. I've got you. I'm working. He's sovereign. He's near. He's into you. He's for you. His thoughts for you outnumber the sand. They're thoughts of good to give you a future and a hope. So here's the application as we wrap this up tonight. Knowing that God is sovereign and that he is near, according to what Paul says here in verse 5, that results in gentleness. And the Greek word translated here for gentleness describes a temperament that is seasoned and mature. Let me say that again. The word gentleness, this is a result. It describes a word, that a temperament that is seasoned and mature. In other words, it envisions an attitude that is fitting for the occasion. It's level-headed. It's even-tempered. You see, gentleness is the opposite of anxiety. And you know what? Anxious people are not very gentle. I mean, think about it. You see somebody that's anxious and they are uptight? They're the polar opposite of of gentle. You know, not to throw my wife under the bus, but a week or so ago, I get a call in the morning from my daughter, Amy. And she was driving down the 78 freeway. And there was something right in the middle of the freeway, like a bumper or something. And she swerved to to try to avoid it. She was in the fast lane, but she hit it and it completely blew her tire. So she went over, and she was, um, you know, stopped on the shoulder of the fast lane, and she called us to say, "Hey, I need some help." Now, my daughter Amy is one of the most chill people that you will, will ever meet. She doesn't get riled very much, and she wasn't riled. But you know who got riled? My wife. <laughs> My wife started to panic cuz she's envisioning, you know, the car stranded there. She thought Josiah, our grandson was in the back seat. He was actually he'd been dropped off at daycare that day. But she starts to panic and and I'm I'm trying to stay calm and and I'm trying to call AAA and and she's like, you know, in my ear behind me and and, and it was it was a little unnerving. And that's what it can be like sometimes. You know, somebody, they panic and they, they get up tight and there's anxiety and they're not, I mean, they're just like freaking out over everybody. And they're really, really difficult to be around when that's happening. Gentleness is the opposite of panic. And if there was ever a time, church, where the world needs to see God's people acting calm, and gentle, and level-headed, it's now. This is our moment, church, to shine. It's our moment in the midst of the chaos to believe what the Bible says and to stand in this. God's got this. He's in control. Now, could things get worse? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that he's not in control. See, my hope is in the Lord. So I'm resting in that. And this is our time to shine. This is our time to to be this gentle, peaceful force in the midst of all of the chaos. That it would be seen in our loving of others, our concern for others, our serving of others. I mean, this is what it boils down to, church. This is a choice. Do you want victory or anxiety? That's the choice. And the key is going to be in turning your attention from your problem for a few minutes or a few hours or each day to celebrate God by praising Him. You see, it does us no good to obsess with the trouble. Because the more that you stare at it, the bigger that it gets. But the more that you look to the Lord, the quicker the problem is reduced to its proper size. That was the strategy, and I'm going to end with this, of the psalmist. In Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2, the psalmist says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Do you see the intentionality in those words? I will, he said, lift up my eyes. Not I might. I will lift up my eyes. So in other words, don't meditate. Don't focus on the mess. Don't meditate. Don't focus on the pandemic. You gain nothing by setting your eyes on the problem, but you gain everything by setting your eyes on the Lord. It's been said that worry divides the mind and heart, but worship focuses the mind and the heart. It calms the mind and the heart. So rejoice always. And again, Paul says, I will say rejoice. Why can we rejoice? Number one, because God is sovereign. Number two, because God is near. And most of all, because God loves you. So much. How do we know that? Well, even when we were in that place as a people infected by a greater virus than the coronavirus, the sin virus, that affected the entire world and there was no cure, God saw us in that place when we were his enemies, wanting nothing to do with him, and he said, I'm going to rescue them, even though right now they don't even want rescued. And he sent his son to come and die on the cross and pay the price for our sins. And Paul reminds us, he said, you know what? If God did that when you were his enemies, don't you think he's going to take care of you now that you're his children? So trust in him. Look to him. I want to encourage you. Man, turn off the news for a few hours. Don't focus on that. Turn off the red. Quit looking at those news feeds on your, that come on your phone. And some of them aren't even real. And they just get the heart. Instead, open up your Bible. Start reading the Psalms. Put on a praise tape. And get vertical. And start worshiping and looking to the Lord because he is near, he's in this, he's got us, he loves you, he's sovereign. Let's praise him. Let's worship him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for our wonderful, beautiful church family. And Lord, I I miss them so much. Miss getting a chance to, to be together with them. And Lord, I do just want to pray your protection over our church family, your protection over our city and our county, the state. Lord, we are, we we want to look to you. And God, right now tonight, I just want to pray for those who hearts are filled with anxiety that they would take the words that you've had me share tonight. In this moment, on this day here, this strategic time, in the middle of this pandemic, and God, I pray that our focus would be tonight, even right now. And when we wake up tomorrow, it would be the same, that we would look to you and rejoice because you are on the throne and you love us and you are near to us. Lord, I pray for those who are compromised right now in their immune system or those who might be sick, who are maybe in some extra risk. Lord, please keep them safe and help them to be wise. And Lord, we do. We ask, we pray that we would see people by the millions all across this world and 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 especially here in the United States, turning to you to seek you with all of their heart. We love you, Lord. And we thank you so much that you loved us enough to send your son in in order so that your enemies could become friends, your friends. That those who were separated from you could become your children as we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And Lord, I pray for anybody watching this right now who maybe has not done that, that they would just right now in the quietness of their, wherever they're at, that they would cry out to you and just say, Jesus, save me. Because your word tells us whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be saved. So we love you, Lord. And we just look forward to how you're going to be working and how you're going to be exalted during this time. In Jesus' name, amen.